Welcome back to our weekly podcast, Design and Destiny, where we are aligning with a power movement of God so that we can search out how, how to grow, how to flourish, how to live deeply in our God-designed purpose so that we can more fully release God's healing power and glory in the world. And if you're new to the Destiny Makers community, well, we offer you a special welcome. We hope that you like what you hear. And if you do, consider subscribing to our weekly podcast. And check us out at destinymakers.org, where you can see some of the resources that we have to offer. Well, in this episode and the next, we're going to be talking about watching our tongue, watching our tongue. This is such an important critical reality because our words actually impact they actually manifest and impact heaven and earth in fact do you know when i was writing my second book the mind to heal i was just curious and i wanted to see how many times or what the bible had to say about the mind thinking wisdom the speech that you know the, our words the things that we say both internally in terms of our thought life and then externally in terms of what we express and so i did a concordance study and do you know that i found that there are over 1700 mentions 1700 mentions in the bible about the mind thinking wisdom understanding revelation and over 200 references about the tongue our lips, speech, speaking. In other words, the verbal expression of our thoughts. God cares deeply about how we think and what we think and what we release into the atmosphere. Why? Because Proverbs 18.21 tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death are in our tongue. That's not hyperbole on God's part. It's actually part of God's holistic design for us in terms of our body and our mind and our spirit. You know, the words we speak actually affect our well-being, even down to the cellular level. And if we had even a sliver of insight and wisdom and understanding about spiritual law, and natural law, we would be far more mindful of taking every thought captive so that we can speak with intention rather than just this unbridled emotion or careless chatter. And do you know, in my work with companies across the country for the last several decades on how to build better teams, stronger leaders, more constructive cultures, more engaged employees. There's been no more important concept or practice than becoming more consciously aware of our subconscious dialogue, our subconscious thinking. And in the world of psycholinguistics, we call this self-talk. Self-talk. Self-talk is essentially that internal monologue that we have with ourselves, as well as what we express out loud, that external expression of our thoughts. So today, I thought for our podcast, I would give you three points, three points about the power of the tongue. And the first is this. Our self-talk, that internal dialogue, as well as what we express out loud, our self-talk reveals the condition of our heart. 
if you want some insight into how somebody is, listen to what they have to say. Matthew 12 and Luke 6, Jesus tells us that a good person brings forth good things out of the good stored up in their heart, whereas the evil person will bring forth evil out of the evil stored up in their heart. Our self-talk reveals the condition of our heart. There is nothing more substantial and more powerful to change the esteem of a child, their self, sense of self-worth, or the health of a marriage, or the vitality of a person's sense of life and purpose, or the culture in our homes, or churches, or organizations, even our communities. There's nothing more substantial or more powerful to change the way we are than our self-talk. In other words, how we define ourselves and our situations. Scientists tell us that we have about 70,000 thoughts, 70,000 thoughts that run through our mind each day. And most of those thoughts go unchecked, unnoticed, and many of them, most of them are negative. In fact, here's a couple of fun, interesting statistics. Do you know that people can speak at a rate of about 150 to 200 words per minute, but the mind can listen up to 500 to 600 words per minute. That's three times faster. But our internal dialogue, our internal dialogue, we can is goes 1300 words per minute. That's six to seven times more. But here's the fun one I thought I'd share with you. Um, no laughing now, okay. Women, women speak up to 20,000 words a day, whereas the average male, the average male speaks about 7,000 words a day. In other words, women will speak about 13,000 more words than the average male. <laughs> we are constantly talking to ourselves. The mind is constantly talking. We're constantly affirming things about ourselves and our situations, but oftentimes it's the wrong Thing. We're affirming the wrong thing. As I mentioned before, if you want a window into how someone thinks, listen to what they have to say. I love this quote. Language is the dress of thought. Every time we speak, our mind is on parade. See, we're either fault finders or solution seekers by the way that we talk. And it takes conscious intention and constant attention to take every thought captive and to guard our tongue. So let me give you a second point about the tongue. The second point is this, that our words are not just mere expressions that evaporate into thin air. And watching our tongue isn't just about being kind, polite, encouraging Christians. There is real power, real power in what we say, the spoken word. Think about this. Scriptures tell us, in the beginning was the word, Jesus Christ, God's creative expression, who made all that is. How? By speaking. And God said, let there be light. And God said, and God said, God spoke creatively and powerfully into this world. And he made us a little lower than the angels, it tells us in Psalm 8. And God made us 
in his image and likeness and given authority over the entire planet to rule and subdue and produce. That's what the scriptures tell us in Genesis 1, 27 through 30. We are designed to be co-laborers with God Almighty to bring heaven to earth. That's our assignment. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God has made us ambassadors of that kingdom with access to all the resources of heaven. In fact, look at John chapters 14, 15, and 16. At least five times, and maybe even six, but at least five times, Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 15, and 16 that we could have what we say that we have not because we ask not. In Matthew 16, uh, 19, and in 18, 18, Matthew 16, 19, and Matthew 18, 18, Jesus gave us instructions for binding and loosening by the power of what we declare, our decrees. He tells us, Jesus tells us in Mark eleven twenty three. 23, that we can move mountains if we speak to that mountain with faith. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, tells us that prayers offered in faith, not just hope, but in faith, will make the sick person well. Our words have power by intention, by design. But instead of having what we say, we keep saying what we have. Too often, we keep talking and reiterating our current reality, our current problems, our current situations. Listen to this. I'll read this to you. And this is in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. It says, and this is the NIV version. It says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in the heavens so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to, to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask well, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Our declarations have power. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Think about this. Isaiah 55, 11 tells us that God's word does not go out and return void, but it accomplishes the word that God speaks, accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. And we share those God characteristics by what we speak. The same is true for us. And you know, the ancients really understood this power of the spoken word. Go back and look at the story of um, Isaac and Jacob and Esau in Genesis chapter 27. And in this story, Isaac is old. He's dying and going blind and he's in his deathbed. And he wants to give his blessing to Esau, his firstborn, which is customary in that, um, in that culture, that the firstborn would receive the blessing from the, from the patriarch. And so that blessing was to go to Esau. And so 
Isaac calls Esau into his tent. He's on his deathbed, remember now, and he's going blind. And he says to Esau, Esau, I want you to go out, get my favorite game. You know what it is because Esau was a hunter. I want you to make it for me, bring it to me, and then I will give you the blessing. Well, Esau's mom, Rachel, overheard Isaac giving these instructions. And she loved her other son, Jacob, more than Esau. But Jacob was soft and tender. He hung up out around the tents. And Rachel says to Jacob, I want you to go do what Isaac, your dad, just told Jacob, or excuse me, Esau to do. Go out and get his favorite game. I'll make it. And then I want you to bring it into him and get the blessing. Well, Jacob said, mom, that's not going to work. I'm soft and and skinned and and Esau's hairy and I don't smell like him and dad's going to know that's not going to work. And she says to him, don't worry, I'll put skins, hairy skins on your arms. I'll give you some of Esau's uh, uh, clothing so your dad won't know. He won't know the difference when you go in. And so they do. They deceive. Both, Both Jacob and Rachel deceive Isaac. Jacob goes in. He brings the favorite meal. He gets there first before Esau. He makes uh, he brings him the meal. Jacob, uh, uh, excuse me. Isaac says, "Gosh, you don't sound like Esau." And and Jacob says, "Nope, I'm Esau. Here, feel me." And he feels him and he smells him and he goes, "Well, yeah, you do feel like him and you do smell like him." So Isaac eats the meal and then he gives Jacob, thinking he's Esau, the blessing. Now you and I today we would say, "What's the big deal?" What's the big deal? Because what happened next in the story is Esau, Jacob leaves, he gets the blessing, he leaves. Esau comes in, he now has the favorite meal. And Isaac says, well, wait a minute, I I just already gave you my blessing. And Esau says, no, no, it it wasn't me. That was was Jacob, they deceived you. Please give me the blessing, give me the blessing. And listen to Isaac's response. He says, no, I cannot. I've already given it to, uh, to, to Jacob. In our modern day and age, we would have said, hey, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I would have gone back to Jacob and said, you know what? You lied to me. You deceived me. And so I'm taking this blessing away from you, and I'm going to give it to your brother. But the ancients knew they couldn't do that. Once the word was spoken, once the word went out, once the blessing was declared, it could not come back void, but it would accomplish the purposes for which it's sent. We today in our modern sophistication have no idea just how powerful our words are. Life and death are in the tongue. And the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but of power. What are you releasing into the atmosphere? What are you speaking? What truths, truths I put in quote, are you declaring and reinforcing about yourself, about others, about life, about the world around you. Be careful what you speak. It will manifest. Well, here's our third point for today, that it's not just about the soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's not about soul well-being and spirit well-being, Our words actually impact our biology. That's how God made us. In fact, in terms of the biology, we were designed, God designed us specifically for faith thoughts, love thoughts, truth thoughts, the truth of God. 
And in fact, do you know that there's part of your biology called the hypothalamus? It's the pumping gland of your endocrine system, and it has the job of secreting chemicals into the body that feed your cells that are congruent or that match your emotion state. So when you're thinking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those loving fruits of the spirit, do you know the hypothalamus is secreting chemicals into the body that feed your cells with wellness that help to build your intelligence and your and build your uh, maintain your memory and, and uh, proper learning. Whereas when you entertain negativity, uh, fear, anxiety, hate, revenge, uh, all of those kinds of negative, uh, what I would call fear-based thinking, the hypothalamus will secrete cortisol and adrenaline, which were good for short-term kinds of initiatives, but not this kind of chronic, chronic stress that depletes your immune system. And that is uh, that depletes uh, your learning and, and all of what is necessary to keep you healthy and well, according to your God design. See, here's the thing. You can't stand in one reality, your hopes, your dreams, whatever it is that you really long for and want and wish and like. You can't stand in that reality and then also, though, talk about and keep dwelling on the things that you don't want, the things that are fearful, uh, the things that concern you. In other words, you can't stand in the reality of fear and expect faith-based outcomes. You cannot stand in one reality and expect the benefits of another. I see this quite often when I'm talking to people with cancer. They hope and pray one thing, healing, but they talk about and dwell on the other. They keep talking about the disease. They keep talking about the problem. They keep reiterating what it is they don't want. Why is that important? Because God designed us as teleological beings. We move toward what we think about, and the mind thinks in pictures. Words create pictures in our mind, and we move toward the most dominant pictures that we possess, that we hold. So in terms of the person with cancer, are we visualizing the disease? within us growing and expanding and taking over? Or do we visualize and see health and wellness? And are we proclaiming it? Are we proclaiming that by his stripes, I am healed? See, we need to learn to speak the way God speaks. God speaks the end result. God calls that which is not as though it were in Romans 4, 17. We need to learn to speak God's word. Why is this important? Because again, we move toward what we think about. We are teleological by design, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but in our physiology. So when you hear yourself, when you become consciously aware of yourself and how you're speaking, and when you're talking about the problem, when you keep reiterating negative or sarcastic or demeaning comments about yourself, about your situation, about others around you, just say, stop it. Stop it, Doreen. That's how I talk to myself. Stop it. That's not like me. 
I'm not going to be like that anymore longer. And then you decree the word, you decree the truth, you decree, declare the word of God, and you proclaim it over and over and over again until it becomes your more dominant picture than the problem that you're trying to avoid or the problem that you're facing. Let me leave you with this interesting quote. Perhaps you've heard it, but it is so packed with truth. And it goes like this. So a thought, so a thought in your mind, and you will reap an act. So an act, and you'll reap a habit. So that habit, you'll reap a lifestyle. So a lifestyle, and you'll reap a destiny. I encourage you this week to become more consciously aware of your subconscious thinking. Take note of when negative thoughts possess you, what they are, when they are, what triggers them. Start to become consciously aware. It is your first step to change and growth and watching your tongue. And then come on back next week when we'll talk more about life and death in the power of the tongue.